This program contains adult content. Is there a God? A big atheist. Really? What, am I an idiot? Come on. That yes, it would be nice if you could throw your sins and your responsibilities on someone else. But it's not true. It looks like far left lunacy. I don't believe that it's true that religion is moral or ethical. You don't need to follow anybody! It's not human intelligence! If someone doesn't value logical consistency, what logical argument are you going to give them that will demonstrate that they should? Hello and welcome to The Godless Revolution. Today is Wednesday, February 16th. This is episode 369. 69! 69! 69! Nice. My kids. (laughs) uh, it's, uh, it's, It's throwback to ministry. Uh, Psalm 69. Congregation, please be seated and open your prayer guides to the book of Revelations, Psalm 69. 69! My name is Dan Ellis. I'm joined by two awesome co-hosts, Mr. Ryan Duffy. Oh, that's this one. And Mr. Taylor Grin. This is that one. Hello, gents! Uh, what's new in, and exciting or interesting in your world over the last couple of weeks? We haven't gotten together. Uh, let's let's start with you, Mister Duffy. We can work at work again. What together? Together. Which, oh, I mean, I haven't enjoyed running drills like ever? for a long time until now. Like, but right now, <laughs> I'm like, I kind of enjoy getting to go outside and making shitty dick jokes and running drills and pulling hose and cleaning stuff up, like actually doing stuff in the day besides being locked in a fucking room. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were out running drills. So it's just kind of like, as our training guy says, let's go knock the, the cobwebs off right now. Cause we haven't been allowed to train together for two fucking years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's a very long, because of COVID, I'm guessing. Because yeah. of COVID, like we were allowed yeah. to train, but not as all the crews combined, like doing multi-company training. It was individual crews. Like we could go out and do training on our own. Like, oh, we'll go grab, you know, we'll do a vent. We'll, you know, grab chainsaws and cut up roofs or whatever, or play with the jaws and go do training on our own. But as far as like coordinating with other vehicles and doing multi-truck training, mm-hmm. we haven't been allowed to do that for two years. Oh, wow. So it's kind of good to get back to normal at work and be doing that. And the weather's been good for it too. And I built that thing behind me last week too, instead of doing a recording with you guys. What is it? Oh yeah. shit! I just noticed that. Wow! The whole wall. Yeah, I noticed that the picture was gone. Is it like a workbench kind of thing? Well, I built the workbench uh-huh. uh, last summer, but the whole thing on the wall with all the tools and stuff. Uh-huh. So I built that casing to hold my saws and my hand planes and my chisels and everything I use for when I do box making right there at the bench, Wang. so I can be more organized. And it's also got a bookshelf all the way over on the other end, down Ooh, down there. Wee. That's fancy. Wow. Yeah. So I, I've oh, been. Wow. Uh, wow. Now, now I need to get, get to making some stuff again. Yeah. Uh, you haven't made anything over the last little bit? I mean, besides that, I mean, I want to get uh, just get back to doing some. Uh, Aside from the thing that I'm going to use to make other things, no, Dan, I haven't. Yeah. Dick. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, like, make, like getting more artistic, doing some more hand cut joinery and I uh, want to try doing some like different like inlay work on top of boxes and kind of like pre-making things that where if someone wanted something burned into it, I can. Mm. Otherwise it might be a, a really nice like keepsake box or 
uh, jewelry box or I don't know, whatever you want box. No fancy. That's really cool, man. I like it. One of these days I want to get a a 3D printer and print a 3D printer with it and then return it. (laughs) Uh, You do realize it's, well, not the returning part, but that is an actual thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think it's, I think it's the, the MakerBot company uses 3D printers to 3D print the parts to other MakerBots. They're usually literally making robots to make other robots. Oh, yeah. I mean, I read uh, an article a few years back about how NASA is developing these like kind of spider bots. Like they almost look like the cop bots in uh, Ghost in the Shell um, for that super deep cut anime reference. Um, <laughs> and they, they're like 20 feet tall. And what they want to do is send like a small crew of them to the moon. And each one would basically have like a big ass scoop where they can like glom up like the the moon rock and dust Mm -hmm. and all that shit pulverize it and then like shit it out out of these little like 3d printer spinnerets and use them to make structures and shit yeah Mm -hmm. i i watched a whole thing on the different uh science groups that were tasked to build like models or not like full sky full size pieces like hey who can actually meet our requirements here on earth to print this silica stuff into a structure that will actually mm-hmm. hold and withstand the forces we needed to withstand. And I'm like, that's actually really neat. Oh, nice. That sounds fancy. Well, what's uh, new with you, Mr. Grin? I don't even know. What have my last two weeks been like? What have I done? Um, nah, man, just, just reading a lot. Like <laughs> it's, it's been incredibly uneventful for me. I know it's great radio. Um, <laughs> Just, uh, so I sat in, I sat in on a presentation that was done, uh, digitally, of course, by the, um, Baptist Joint Committee, Christians Against Christian Nationalism and the Freedom From Religion Foundation. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Uh, they had some great speakers, including, uh, Whitehead and Perry, who wrote uh, Taking Back America for God. They had Catherine Stewart, who wrote The Power Worshippers. They had Andrew Seidel. Um, who wrote Founding Myth and the FFRF's folks, as well as the, the BJC put together a report on the like heavy, heavy influence and presence of Christian nationalism on the January 6th insurrection. Mm -hmm. And I am about three quarters of the way through the report at this point. And it is just fantastic. So that's been really fun. There you are. Yep. Were you getting the escaping kitty? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, um, he keeps clawing under the door. So well, I I've got a guest tonight because Sandra's well, out doing workout stuff. And every time that we leave him alone, the big cat tries to kill the little cat. So little cat <laughs> is living in here with me tonight. You're mine yeah, now, you, you little fucker. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I would I would have stepped in to try to fill time. Regular listeners or, or our listening audience won't will not realize that there was just this long dead air gap. Because I, I trimmed them down, but I would have filled that <laughs> dead air gap myself, but I had a fucking life flight helicopter <laughs> passing overhead. Oh. And I was like, shit. Sorry. <laughs> and I was more like, where'd he go? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to, to keep my deposit on the apartment at this point. Um, <laughs> it's going to burn down yeah. anyways. Oh, no. I mean, we're not getting our deposit back. Um, <laughs> well, and I, I see that you're in your in your giant robe. Is your yeah. is your heating 
not working terrific no, still? Our heating is good. It's just we have these old shitty like 1930s windows that have only a single pane. Mm. And like I've been told that when you have a single pane window, it's the equivalent of having like a one foot hole in your house. <laughs> so even though we've got a heater, it's just working overtime to actually keep the house warm. And yeah. I've noticed this fun weather pattern that Kansas tends to get where we'll have like two days in a row that are in like the sixties in the middle of the winter. Mm -hmm. And that's like the harbinger of just a storm that comes in from Colorado. Mm -hmm. And uh, we just had our two days of 60 degree weather and it's rapidly plummeting below freezing. Mm -hmm. So I'm just anticipating the cold. Yeah. We had, we had the snow today, so that's coming your way. Yeah. 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 I was just going to say that, you know, here in Utah, it's been really nice, Gorgeous. really moderate temperatures lately like into the 50s and 60s nice and sunny we had some wind come through and clear out all of the shitty gray air push mm -hmm. it off to someone else sorry surrounding areas <laughs> but oh yeah all that inversion oh yeah yeah it was really fucking terrible for a little while had a bunch of wind come through cleared all that out sun came out and then the temperatures dropped and we got snow today and now i think we're going to be below freezing for the next few days like i yeah, that's yeah. I could because I came home from work. Oh yeah, well I was I was getting emails from sur several surrounding golf courses that I have gone to in the past uh telling me that hey we're open, come out and play and um the the league that I participate in at Valley View uh we had signups yesterday. Yesterday it was two yeah, yesterday. I kept thinking today was Thursday all day. Oh. But we had we had signups on Tuesday. We can reserve tea times. Like they'll they charge you a hundred dollars, but then you get a guaranteed tea time for the men's league every every Tuesday. And so, uh, you, if you are there in person at three p.m. when they open it up, you get preferred slotting. You know, mm. you get first dibs at whatever tea time you want. And so it was me and the other three guys in the foursome that I usually play with, like, well, who's going to be there? Who's going to, who's going to sign up for the times? How do you need, you know, do you need us to send you money? All that kind of shit. But it worked out pretty well. We got a, a 3 p.m. tea time. So every Tuesday I will be golfing uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I just, I need that, that break to do something yeah. other than fucking work <laughs> for, yeah. forever. Yeah, and that, important. yeah. And that is supposed to start March 1st. So That'll be good. Looking forward to it. And but uh -huh. I, I I interrupted you. What what else is oh. is new with you, Mister Grin? Honestly, that's it. Um, I'm still studying for a an industry exam, the the CYSA. If anyone's familiar with it, which is like um like it's one step above Security Plus. It's like a I don't know digital security certification that's like hey can you you know defend networks kind of bullshit yeah um and that is integral to my continued employment so that has been a fun st test to study for um been reading another good book called how civil wars start by barbara j walters who is not barbara walter i know um, i i confused that last week when we were on the yeah. phone um, or no, it's Barbara J. Walter, not Barbara Walters. Walters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's been a fantastic book. Um, and I was, I was talking to Ryan about this last week, but, um, in, in chapter three of the book, uh, uh, oh, 
He's got to get the kid. He did a, he gave us a signal. <laughs> gave us the high sign. Come back in. Sorry. I, I, fuck it. If the cat dies, the cat dies. Hopefully the big one won't attack him. Um, so anyway, um, I was reading this book. I apologize, listeners. Normally that wouldn't happen, but um, so I'm, I'm reading this book and chapter three gets into like how if a population loses relative power, they can become a source of potential like violence in the country. And it talks about several different countries to include like Iraq just prior to us waging war on them in the 2000s. Um, they talk about uh, like Serbia and Bosnia and that whole thing. And they basically say like, if you've got a group of people who are relatively affluent, who are of the like predominant ethnic group of a region, and then like things start to balance out, you know, as John Stewart says, like their, their relative privilege declines because of increasing equality, mm-hmm. um, that that can actually cause like a significant increase in the likelihood that the, the country will see some sort of civil conflict. And in light of that, in light of what I know about violent extremism from, from my educational studies um, and just like kind of seeing the tea leaves as far as how, you know, like, like to be blunt, you know, white men are losing their relative power and privilege because our country is becoming more egalitarian and is undoing the, you know, misogynist, patriarchal, pro-Christian, pro-white, you know, uh, uh, structures that it's had in the past. Um, these folks are feeling a loss in their relative power and their relative prospects of like showing up and, and getting a manager position kind of deal. Mm. And that's not to say that it's wrong for them to lose that power, but looking at the situation realistically through the lens of other countries that have seen their predominant groups lose relative privilege, it gives me cause for concern. And it kind of gets into the discussion we were having in the Joe Rogan episode where I'm thinking to myself, how can we how can we craft a means of increasing equality and being good advocates for equality while like finding a way to let these folks who have had privilege down more softly so that they're not inclined towards violence. Right. Because if you look at the, um, uh, what, what are they called? Like the manifestos and shit of people like the Christchurch killer. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which was New Zealand, if I recall correctly, yep. not America, yeah. but yeah. same diff, right? Yeah. Um, these are yeah. these are young white men who feel like they were promised the world and don't get it, and they lash out when they don't, and that doesn't make them right for lashing out, but it also means that like, like that's a problem, you know, like like it's it's something. Well, it's that also we when need they they blame for. the minority, a, mm-hmm. a minority yeah. group for the reason why they didn't get it, where it's like, no, maybe you're just mm-hmm. a shitbag, dude, mm-hmm. and and they're not right. But it's, it's like car crashes shouldn't happen, right? But, but we account for car crashes happening and we build safety tools Features. in cars, yeah. right? To make those car crashes less lethal. And I'm trying to figure out a way to like how we can change messaging or, or what in a way that is still highly egalitarian and corrects for the institutional 
disproportionate attribution of power that America has had for centuries, while at the same not at the same time not creating this fertile ground for future extremists, right? And that's a hard question, yeah. Because you know, as as one listener, you know, we're going to read in uh, a message that we got from a listener, like it leaves a bad taste in progressives' mouths to cater to like angry white men who feel like they're not special anymore. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. But like, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't find some way to do it as long as it's not more harmful than it is good. Um, and that's, that's been like where my head's been at the last few weeks yeah. is trying to like square that circle. Well, I kind of um, feel the, the, the messaging that they get needs to be countered with a more correct message. Where yeah, instead of yeah, hey, these people are taking your job from you, it's like, no, you can still get that job. Just now that person doesn't have as hard of a time to get the same job. You're yep, kind of more on yep. an equal playing field. So you didn't lose anything. Mm-hmm. Just well, there's more you, people in competition for it now. You lost the privilege of, you lost of the that privilege being of, of, guaranteed to you pretty yeah, much. You, you know? lost yeah, the privilege yeah. of being at the front. Yeah. And that guy well, being I'm, a few steps behind, but uh, that's gone. Mm-hmm. But as far as your ability to get a job or get anywhere, that's still up to you. Hi, this is Megan Kennedy. I'm a speaker with the Satanic Temple. You can find me on Twitter at Six Moments, and you're listening to The Godless Revolution. Yeah, I came back and I said, what is going on? What's the big deal? So I got a transcript. I reviewed it. I actually went out and uh, reviewed a clip of uh, an answer that I gave. And I realize that there is a need for some clarification. It should have been obvious. I thought it would be obvious, but I would like to clarify just in case it wasn't. In a key sentence in my remarks, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't or why it wouldn't be Russia. So. Just to repeat it, I said the word would instead of wouldn't. And the sentence should have been, and I thought it would be maybe a little bit unclear on the transcript or unclear on the actual video. The sentence should have been, I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be Russia. Sort of a double negative. So you can put that in, and I think that probably clarifies things pretty good by itself. Thank you to everybody who has rated the show on iTunes and Stitcher and are following us on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And to all our Patreon patrons, you make the show possible. I was having a discussion in another forum uh, where someone said, like, I really don't like the idea of having to, like, bend over backwards to do messaging, you know, for for people who have shithead ideologies, you know, incels and, and alt-right and that kind of thing. And it's like, I agree but I like to look at, at my stance on prisons, right? Because I don't think prisons should be for retribution. I think they should be for rehabilitation. Yep. Yes. And yeah. and for me to adopt that stance consistently, right? I have to think, hey, this is a person who's committed actual real ass crime, right? This is somebody who's stolen from someone mm-hmm. or, you know, murdered, assaulted, like even raped, right? Like really fucking bad crimes that caused actual no shit harm to other people. But for mm-hmm. me to be consistent in my beliefs, I have to say we need to reach out to the folks whom we've arrested for their crimes and try and make them functioning members of society and try to adapt a stance that once they have served their, their, I heard that Jesus Christ. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> now the you got a royal rumble going on in that room. room. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Um, You're fine. It, 
anyway, um, you know, it, and, and we try and look at these folks and say like, hey, yeah, once you've once you've served your sentence, like we we pretend as though you never committed the crime that you committed. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, ideally, we try to. Right, yeah, yeah, we try to. And like, that's the ideal. Right. Yeah. Is to say like, yeah, you've you've served your time. Now you are you're back. Right. Your your sins are forgiven, so to speak. And if we except for all advocate, the roadblocks that we place in front of you, like yeah. having correct. to declare yeah, and, and, but, you've been convicted but we're of a felony for like the that, repeal yeah. of those roadblocks, yeah. you know, and I yeah. think that's an important thing to say, right? Is that is that the progressive position is to try and get rid of those roadblocks, and mm-hmm. and I guess where my logic is is that like if we can hold that view with people who have committed no shit crimes, then we. We need to find a way in terms of messaging and recruitment and persuasion in terms of our like mass communication style. We need to find a way to like bring the shitheads to the light. Right. And and I am the guy who came on the show and said, punch Nazis. Right. Mm. Um, but, but we like. See, I've changed my views. I'm on the punch Nazi train now too. Sometimes. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and, and the thing is, is like, you know, I, I got to be careful how I say this. If somebody <laughs> punched Richard Spencer, I would be happy, right? Like that would be fun to watch, mm-hmm. but I'm not saying anyone should go out and punch Richard Spencer. I'm just saying it's enjoyable to see those YouTube. Videos. I'm just saying it would be, be highly entertaining to watch that over yes. and over and over and over again. Correct. Yeah. Correct. But that's not a call for anyone to go out and do that specifically yeah. to him. Right. Um, but that being said, like there's thousands of, you know, if not millions of people who, who watch that kind of content and we need to be providing off ramps because everything I've read about violent extremism is that people are constantly looking for off ramps to get out of extremism. And if those off ramps aren't provided, they'll get more extreme. You know, as I, as I've read about like people who were in the Bathist party right in Iraq but they were like low level engineers Mm. they were forced out of their jobs and they weren't allowed to work government jobs ever again so now they had no income no prospects and nothing to lose well no shit they started using their engineering to build IEDs right (laughs) so yeah like that's where I don't know like I don't have I don't have a good answer and I think it's a hard problem and I think it's a problem that's going to like require compromises and I don't know, man. And and the other thing too is like it's going to be really difficult to thread that needle and find a way to appeal to folks like that without coming across as being like a Sam Harris both sides are right or somebody yeah. who's just trying yeah. to appeal to that crowd on their own ground instead of in a conversionary kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I get that. I and well, because you brought up Sam Harris and and we've kind of chatted about this offline by ourselves, like the. In a, in the opening to the show, we have a quote from Sam Harris, and we've talked about maybe changing that because Sam Harris is kind of a fucking dick about a whole lot of things. He's mm-hmm. we we sh- I don't want to derail us because we could probably spend an entire episode on all of the things that Sam Harris is wrong about and why, and we should probably do that at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, but suffice it to say that we don't agree with everything Sam Harris says or does. We don't think he's an all-around great guy. I think he is right on some things and really, really fucking wrong on a lot of other things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just wanted to throw that out there because it, it, it tickled a memory in my brain. 
And yeah. um, no, I, I agree with you. Yeah. 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 Cause there are still some things that he said that are like absolutely correct things. Um, yeah. that like, I don't know, man, it's like, it's like what I was saying the other day, you know, there is no tool without blood on it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm increasingly adapting a position of like, if I get a good argument from a bad person, but it's a good argument, like I don't have to attribute that person. Right. And yeah. I should definitely apply a little bit more rigor to the argument to make sure that there isn't some flaw in the reasoning, you know, that comes from their biases. But at the end of the day, an argument is an argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why when with Republican friends, if they have, if I can totally disagree with them on something about Mike, I'm not going to accept that until you can explain to me why you think that's good. What mm-hmm. is your reasoning for thinking that's good? Yeah. And if they can kind of make a, it doesn't have to be logical to me, but it might be logical to them as long as it's not fucking xenophobic, mm-hmm. racist, or bigoted response to it. I'd be like, okay, you think yeah. that has this direct impact on you if this happens, so I can see why you're looking at it that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, well, okay, and, at least you have a reason. <laughs> and it, it gets into the uh, like firebrand versus diplomat debate. And mm-hmm. I think that our community, and I, I suspect if I were to take a broader lens, you know, that many activist communities will tend to go through like ebb and flow periods where they are more diplomatic or more firebrand, mm-hmm. you know, per capita. And I think we're going through a time period in reaction to the Donald Trump years where we are in a very high density of like firebrand, mm-hmm. um, you know, types, right, in the way that we communicate. And I think that maybe that flow needs to go back towards diplomacy a little bit. Um yeah, well, and I. But I don't know. I mean, there's yeah. And I, I adopt or or I adapt my communication method with various people depending on circumstance, uh, you know, depending on who I'm talking to, how they're responding yeah. to me, uh, whether I think it's a waste of time even addressing them or not. Uh, you know, yeah. at, at times I'm very diplomatic and at other times I'm just like, fuck you, you stupid asshole. <laughs> like there's no fucking reason for me to give you the time of day and I wouldn't piss on mm-hmm. you if you were on fire. Like it yeah, I, I liked a comment I saw you posted the other day on Facebook where you responded to someone being like, I'm not going to go watch all these and read these links you sent to me. Please just give me a cliff note to what it is. I'm busy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, that's just it. Like you'll, you'll get in these, these back and forths with people online and, and yeah, that's, I wanted to address that, Ryan. That's, that's great. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you know, I'm, I'm very busy. I'm super fucking busy all the time lately, particularly lately. And when I post something out to Facebook and somebody just responds with a link to some random fucking article or some random fucking video with no context as to why they've put it there, you know, I'm, I'm not going to waste my fucking time reading it or watching it because I don't know why you even put it there. You could be some fucking random spammer who's just inserted some shit into my timeline. I'm not going to waste my fucking time with it. If you have a point to make, yeah, like if you have a point to make, Provide a summary of your point and then post a link to expound on your point. Don't just post a link somewhere to something. Tell people why you're posting that link. Otherwise, it's a waste of fucking time and I'm not going to look at it. Um, And for the longest time, I would just ignore it. And lately, I thought, well, if I ignore it, they don't understand what the problem is and why nobody's responding to them, right? So I've started including that. Like, I made that boiler that boilerplate text and have made that like I've, I've copied it to my clipboard so that I can just paste it into shit. Like (laughs) I'm very busy. I don't have time to look at every link and sometimes it's not even worth my time. Like, tell me why you think I should look at this because otherwise I won't, if you can't, if you Mm -hmm. can't provide a summary, then 
well, there are a couple different points here, right? The first one is that I'm very busy and it could be just bullshit that you've posted out there that isn't germane to the, to the discussion at hand, or you could have posted that out there because you're a fucking moron who can't make an argument yourself. And so you've posted something that you think addresses the general discussion at hand. And you want everybody to look at this other thing that has convinced you of something, but nobody knows that because all you've posted is a fucking link that nobody knows why it's even there. So provide a summary of what it is and why anybody should look at it. Otherwise I'm just going to ignore it because it's a waste of my fucking time. And, and if I, if I can take a crack at this real quick, right. Um, there's, there's a quote that's attributed to Einstein, whether or not he said it is, you know, whatever, everything on the internet is true. Right. But it's that if you can't explain something simply, you don't understand it well enough. Right. Right. And, and that's, that's good advice in terms of the stuff that you take in, in arguments. You know, if somebody posts a whole gish gallop of bullshit at you and they can't explain what it is succinctly, it's not worth your time to engage in. But also if you're going out and trying to persuade people of things, make sure that you can provide a succinct you know, argument for what that thing is. And if you can't get your shit down to like a paragraph length of what the the rub of your argument is, you need to refine your craft, right? Because mm-hmm. it's best practice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the other point too that I that I kind of glossed over when when I was just making my other points is that if you post something and you don't provide a summary, it's to me, that indicates that you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You don't know what is in there. And so you've just posted this out there, which to me is another indication that I should just discount and discredit anything you've said, because nothing I say can disabuse you of something that you don't fucking understand in the first place. Like if you don't Mm -hmm. understand it, nothing I say is going to really help you have a better understanding of that until you can understand the topic that we're even discussing. It's pointless for me to waste any time addressing anything that you've posted on something that I have on my Facebook timeline. Like it's, it's, it's a complete waste of time for me. And so I've started making that comment that, you know, unless you can give me a summary, I'm not going to look at this because it's a waste and, of my and time. And there's something, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Oh no, no, you're totally calm. Yes, period. you did. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're uh, totally sorry. fine. Was it? As, as kind of a direct challenge to our listeners, you know, or, or more of like a, like a call to help, right? Because um, we later in this episode, we're going to read a, a message that we got from a listener who was formerly right-wing. And I know that, that Dan and I were both formerly right-wing individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, if you used to be what you would describe yourself as being right-leaning or right-wing or what have you, right? Um, if you're listening to our show, you've probably since become more progressive in your views. And I'm sure that it was through a combination of increased access to like different information, but also personal conversations you had with other people. And as I am trying to figure out a mass communications solution to like how to persuade people who would otherwise be falling to like Joe Rogan types, if you could write us in or call us or message us, whatever, right? The kind of mass media things that started making you more progressive, right? Like I, I I won't say no to good conversations that you had with friends, but I'm really interested in like, you know, did, did you like watch an episode of Rachel Maddow, right? Or was there a YouTube channel that made you start thinking about something differently? Like what was a, what was a broadcast means that started making you more 
left leaning than you were before. If one stands out to you, because did you read a book or yeah, what what started yeah. the Some, the shift in your in your view? Yeah, something that was a one way communication where you weren't able to talk to the other person uh, in terms of having a conversation, but where you were reading a medium or having a video played at you or whatever, uh, you know, a mass communication based thing that influenced you in that direction. Like for me, a big one was, was, um, Christopher Hitchens, God is not great. You know, I read that as I was leaving religion and then watching Hitchens debates with people as part of what started taking me from being more right leaning to being more left leaning. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would, I would put that as like my nexus point. So if there was something that you read or watched or what have you, um, let us know. Uh, cause we want to try and create more of those handholds for people trying to like be more progressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I, we need I to figure say, I think I got more progressive once I started realizing how shitty the laws were in this fucking state towards minority demographics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I posted something mm-hmm. about like at work, you know, I'm incredibly busy and I, attended this class on 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 improving communication skills and one of the things that they mentioned during this training class for the federal government was the Myers-Briggs uh, uh. personality assessment <laughs> and the Myers-Briggs for people who don't know it's it's total bullshit it's it's nonsense it's made up absolutely fabricated fucking bullshit that that is a mother daughter pair who are not psychologists (laughs) yeah it was it was based on an initial observation from carl Jung on on what he classified as these different personality types and then these other people who have no psychological training decided that they would expound on that and then they would put it into different groupings and then they'd make up their own things and then create this whole program around it and it's had great marketing it's it's like astral it's like astrology in that you can take the test and however you do in the test you are provided a, a personality profile that is so broad but is also in a way endearing and and makes you feel better about yourself but it also pigeonholes you into this box of oh you are this you know you you are an ENTJ or whatever the fuck classification you may have achieved through this testing that is basically saying, Oh, you're a Capricorn and you're, you're smart and you're intelligent and you're inquisitive and, and you like to talk to people, but sometimes you can be a little reclusive. It's just so fucking broad that it can apply to anybody Mm -hmm. at any time. And that makes them feel good about it. And because it makes them feel good about themselves and gives them some positive interaction, they adopt it unquestioningly. And yeah, it's and I'm really glad frustrating. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. and it's just frustrating that in a professional setting, I'm hearing about this shit when it's absolute fucking nonsense. And there are real harms that come from its usage. Mm-hmm. I, I almost got into it with a captain when I was in the air force. Still, I, I had to go to a yellow ribbon event and uh, which is like a, it's, it's like a two day long thing where they just do a whole bunch of like, like, 
seminars on different stuff that's meant to be for like pre or post deployments, like how to get back to a normal sleep schedule or like how to step down from like taking too many, you know, sleeping pills or drinking too much or whatever it is that you, you know, use to cope with the deployment environment. Oh, which is hilarious to me because I was deployed to Birmingham, Alabama, <laughs> but I was forced to go. Um, and this captain was doing a like better, better communication with, with, yeah, like with your spouse and BTI. And I was like, I I very nearly got like an article because I had to just get up and leave. Don't make me time, suffer through I was this bullshit. A a um, psychology for intelligence uh, analysis, like in terms of creating psychological profile or uh, profiles of leaders and policymakers and that kind of thing from a master's program. And I was like, I just finished writing a paper on how bullshit this is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There ocean. Were, ocean is the only good psychological measurement tool. There were, and I'm, I'm completely unfamiliar with ocean. I haven't heard yeah. of it before, but it's, there were, it's the openness. Um, it's, it's openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, uh, agreeableness and neuroticism uh -huh. and each of those five things are like diametrically opposed to their opposite right so like the extroversion is your extroversion versus introversion mm -hmm. your neuroticism versus your like stability agreeableness versus disagreeableness right and and an individual scores between one and 100 where like say one is an incredible introvert and a 100 is an incredible extrovert right well, and it's a sliding scale uh, it's not a binary thing yep yeah yep and it's it, it it's valid uh, in terms of like you can predict an individual's like general behavior based on their score in the categories. It's consistent, which is to say if you test somebody in a year, like or if you test someone and a year later you test them again, their scores will be stable. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Whereas Myers-Briggs, it changes. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Like day to day. Uh -huh. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the other thing about the Myers-Briggs is that it's very binary in a lot of the questions. It's yes, no. You know, do you, mm -hmm. do you like to talk to people? Yes or no? Well, well, right. it fucking depends. <laughs> it depends on who am I talking to? What's the yeah. situation? What are they talking about? Like some people know yeah. I don't like fucking talking to some people. Yeah. What is my mood of the day? Like, have I been exhausted by talking to people throughout the day when I take this test? And I'm like, no, fuck, I'm not talking to anybody else. Mm -hmm. Or have I been a little isolated and I'm a little bit lonely? So yeah, I want to fucking talk to people. Yeah. Did I choose yeah. to and be a part of this conversation? Or am I forced into this conversation? Yeah. And it's, it's yep. not and a sliding question, scale like ocean. It's, it's one ocean. yes or no. Yeah. 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 They're very like, they'll ask the same kind of question in multiple different ways in multiple different contexts at different points within the exam. Mm -hmm. So that it's like you that like hundred question psychology test. Yeah. It'll break through those, you know, circumstantial things by repeatedly aggressing the same metrics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I, I got into an argument with one of your, with one of your friends on just that. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. He was he was he was an anarchist who was basically arguing that like because, you know, pre-agricultural people would have had different responses to the questions that it's invalid and it's like, well, that's fantastic, you know. We aren't pre-agricultural. It's like, well, that that only covers 1% of all of human beings. I was like, no. Neat. Well, we're only 1% of all human beings who have ever existed now. I care about that data set. Yeah, well, we're, we're not testing people from 100 years ago. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. it kind of yeah. sounds like an argument a from thousand. like it 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 sounds very much like a constitutional originalist or or literalist versus 
you know, that it's a living, breathing document that can change and adapt. Yeah. And there's, so there are, I, I need to be really clear. Um, and, and like in particular, James, if you're listening, this is kind of directed at you. Like there are elements <laughs> of, of anarchist thought, especially some of the stuff by Kropotkin that I really like. Um, especially anything involved in, and I'm brain farting the term for this, um, direct, direct action, especially where it's concerned with like protesting and, um, uh, disaster response, fantastic mm. philosophies, but there's been a mode of scholarly anarchist thought largely, re- uh, led by a guy named David Graeber in the last 10 years that points to like pre agricultural pre building cities, humans as like some sort of ideal situation. And it uses pretty significantly cherry picked data about like quality of life and interactions in terms of like non hierarchically structured societies that don't really directly compare to the circumstances that we have now. Um, But they idealize this idea of like humans before governments told us what to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's non it's just non-scalar. Like my big criticism of, uh, and I want to do an episode on this someday, which I guess this is just our like episode of episodes we'd like to do someday. But, <laughs> but in particular, I've wanted to look at like to, to fully flesh out my opposition to left leaning libertarianism. And largely it's like the Rojava got paved over by Turkey as soon as America left that region, right? Like, <laughs> like anytime people try to set up any sort of anarchist community, it's so tiny that if any other region nearby has more power, congratulations, you are now part of that region. Yeah. <laughs> um, anarchism just doesn't scale. And uh-huh. with our communication methods, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. But the, the one, one thing you said there, Taylor, reminded me of someone making an argument that, uh, like we were better as hunter gatherers because we were less likely to get cancer. And I was like, wait, hold on, buddy. How did they test for cancer then? <laughs> right. And your average age was what? Like if you made it to 30, you're doing fucking great. I, I got to I, I, You know what? That's a Ryan. I love you. That's a bad argument to make. The reason why our estimates for life expectancy tend to be at like 35 is not because people will die at 35, but because so many people would die in childbirth. True, true. If, if you made it past five years old at any point in human history, you had a damn good chance of making it to 65, 75. Yeah, but how many of those could have gotten cancer? Oh, yeah, so 100%. Already, so they didn't get yes. cancer. But I just, it, or, it's one of those ones where it's like, no, that's a bad argument. You're going to get shit rocked if, like, you're arguing with someone who knows what they're talking about because that particular point is not. But usually I'm yeah. arguing with someone who thinks that that shows that they had less cancer back then. Mm. Oh no, you're and and like they almost certainly did cuz like they they can't have been cooking their meat in good situations, right? If you're living in something like a cave, you don't have good ventilation like No. Um you know, you you have no protection from the sun. I'm sure no. that the the rates of skin cancer were absurd, right? But they just didn't know um, what it was. Yeah. yeah. It went um, undiagnosed because there was no. It's 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 like like the same thing. Like people being like, well, until we had to start getting all these vaccines, people weren't getting autism. It's like, <laughs> no, the spectrum of autism has widened, so we are more easily diagnosing people now with mm-hmm. it than we were before. So it's not that there's more people with autism now; we're just catching more of it. Mm-hmm. There's mm, on that note. That's another. That's that's a conversation I'm almost even afraid to say here on air. I have read a fantastic essay, article, history, um, this thing called the invention of straightness. 
mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. it, it points to the fact that like yeah. historically, and and it was it was a very male focused article, but because it was trying to disabuse like the stigma of men the having sex with type other men, a personality, men. yeah. Um, but it, it looked at like if you go back before the 1900s, people would just do sexual acts with the other people that they wanted to do sexual acts with. And then like largely through the institution of marriage, they would create like a union of finances and living situation in order to create kids. But like mistresses have largely been the norm, right? And mm-hmm. and fooling around, especially in military situations has been the norm. And until there was a concept for straightness, there wasn't really a concept for being gay, mm-hmm. right? And and for me, like I have increasingly been rejecting the idea of like, you know, gay or straight or what have you. And it's like, no, people just do sex with the people they like to do sex with. And love like, the one I you're with, that, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just fucking have fun. Like, yeah. do your thing, man. Um, yeah, and I think at a minimum, the Kinsey scale makes more sense than trying to put somebody in the category that way. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I don't think you find anybody that's at, at, at either extreme of the Kinsey no, scale. No, very rarely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, let's let's not be dismissive, right, of people's preferences. I, I would argue that probably the vast majority of people are some version of, like, straight or um oh what's the what's the fucking term like not even not even hetero flex uh flexible right but there's there's a term for where it's like you might have had like one or two you know occasions of like a same sex experience out of convenience or curiosity but then like, carried on the rest of your life dude right? in jail oh hey now no <laughs> well, i'm just saying no. if you say, like it's not gay if it's in jail uh, gay for i don't the like day. that yeah because often it isn't consensual yeah. um yeah not well, I mean, that's, uh, that's rape. You know, or, or like, like, you know, if you're underway, right. But I don't know, man, like there are places where I really don't like labels and yeah, that's one of them. Yeah. We have a bunch of listener feedback that we want to go over and we'll do that on the other side of this little break. Hi, this is Thomas Westbrook, and I have a YouTube channel called Holy Kool-Aid, where I take topics and I break them down in five or ten minute videos, trying to give a laser-focused perspective on religion, philosophy, and science. And you are listening to the Godless Revolution podcast. We've broken virtually every record because, you know, look, I only need this space. They need much more room. For basketball, for hockey, for all the sports, they need a lot of room. We don't need it. We have people in that space. So we break all these records. But really, we do it without, like, the musical instruments. This is the only musical, the mouth. And hopefully the brain attached to the mouth, right? The brain, more important than the mouth, is the brain. The brain is much more important. If you have questions, comments, concerns, compliments, corrections, criticisms, or concepts for content, contact the show via email at godlessrevolution at gmail.com, by text or voicemail at 330-81-REBEL, or Twitter the twatter at TGR Podcast. Thank you! Welcome back, everybody. Uh, We want to go over some listener feedback that we have received uh, over the last little while after sending out a call for more listener feedback. And thank you all very much for sending us a lot of great feedback. Uh, we wanted to go over a couple different contacts that we had received uh, in the meantime. Um, I want to encourage again, you all to send us feedback 
Uh, you can do that through all of the contact information that is included in the sh- in the show notes and from the lovely or from the information that the lovely, entertaining, fabulous Meg Mitchell recorded for us mm-hmm. way back when 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 we provide the contact information. You can also contact us uh, via phone at three three zero eight one rebel and Rebel. leave us a voicemail message and we will play that back during the show possibly unless you tell us that you don't want us to uh, but we will do that just as we are going to do with this voicemail message that we received hey guys this is Marvin Dragon's wife we just finished listening to episode 367 and I had some ideas about how to get to the 18 to 24 male demographic get Ezra Klein a twist degree I don't, it doesn't matter what game he plays, as long as it's relatable to the demographic. So just get him on Twitch and let him talk. And maybe he doesn't even have to play. Alternatively, get someone on TikTok showing a muscle building routines workout. Call it swoke. Swole woke. Guaranteed. Thanks and keep bringing up the good content. And thank you very much for calling and leaving us that voicemail message. So uh, we should get some some attractive peoples to do Twitch videos, and we could call it Swole Woke. <laughs> well, I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this right now, Dan. Uh-huh. Um, if there are any attractive people, please let us know because well, none of the three of us count. <laughs> I was just gonna say that you know Dan did get those new uh, some new workout equipment. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> No reason to let it go to waste. Yeah, we we chatted offline that I've that I've returned to doing some picking up and putting down of heavy things because uh, listeners probably don't know, but I I used to enjoy bodybuilding quite a bit and uh, haven't done that for quite some time. My my ex bodybuilding partner was was my best friend who i caught fucking my wife so i haven't i haven't lifted very i haven't lifted a whole lot of weights in in a while but i recently have started doing that again and i'm digging feeling feeling tight very tight like a tiger (laughs) when i finish lifting weights so i mean it's not hard just set your phone there uh Mm. take your shirt off and look lovingly into the camera dan and just pump those weights <laughs> while I'm pumping iron. <laughs> so basically, she's taking the winter. Oh, sorry. We we need to we need to sell our sex appeal on the show more often. Uh huh. We got have, good beards. Uh, I've good taken mustache. the winter off of working out, but I plan to run again once uh, spring hits. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I've I've been I've been walking and lifting weights, and we'll be golfing and walking a whole lot. I got that. I got that uh, cart. That remote control cart. That now instead of driving in a golf cart, I'm walking the entire golf course and I have my remote control cart that hauls my golf clubs and beer around the golf course with me. But I can walk the whole time instead of just sitting in a cart and drinking beer. So that's good. And my resting heart rate has dropped by around 15 beats per minute, which is awesome. Uh, And in doing my uh, fast-paced aerobic walking workouts i am having a difficult time getting into my maximum heart range because i've been doing it regularly and that has gone down quite a bit like when i first started it was it was up there a lot and that that has all receded and and come down quite a bit so like my blood pressure is better i've been dropping weight i've been looking more firm and fit and sporty 
It's all it's all good stuff. <laughs> all good. <laughs> yeah, it's all good stuff. But we also uh, got feedback uh, from uh, Andrew David Writing. Yes, I like Andrew a lot. Um, I, I've I've met him and chatted with him several yeah. times in in the real in the real world, and he's he's a really good dude. I, I like him a lot. In the meat space, yes. Oh yeah, coffee chats. I um, in fact, I need to. I, I was the one who responded to Andrew, and I need to get back to you because you you sent a couple of responses back to my initial response, and uh, life happened. So I will I will reach out to you probably before you've heard this episode, actually. Um, but uh, uh, the the message that Andrew gave me permission to share was he said I think that what the left what the political left needs to do for mass appeal is mired in the history of white men asking about that, especially back when we mostly did so from ivory towers. We've been so utterly focused on that question that we make our movements unappealing to marginalized groups and see much less enthusiastic participation from them for it. The grifters often make a great deal of money by appealing to the worst people because the intelligentsia is a crowded battlefield that wants nothing to do with, quote, those stupid fucking idiots. That's me. And there is thus a ripe <laughs> audience waiting for somebody to rally behind. They're privileged enough to know that when they complain, they'll get their way. So you just cheat and lie a little bit and get a lot of relatively poor competitors uh, get propped up as heroes and rake in money. Uh, that sounds like Jordan Peterson right there. Mm. Um, but it doesn't take a lot of money to do this. All it takes is for a shitty ideologue who will uh, uh, devote mountains of time to this. Uh, their time isn't really, really blah, 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 their time isn't really worth anything otherwise. So they have lots to spare. We will never have as entertaining a moron because we are selective. We bicker among ourselves about it. If somebody really assaults women or not, and if this was a political, politically valid time to raise the concern, um, but eventually we tend to agree that this person is a problem and we disinvite them almost regardless of the audience that they've built. And there are a handful of ways that the religious right will do the same, but it's nowhere near as strict a filter. If we can care more, uh, if we care more about winning, then we can simply abandon our principles and prop up people primarily based on how broad their appeal is. If we will not pay that price, we cannot have this. Mm. And, and I largely agree with that sentiment. And, and I think that there are ways to appeal to that demographic, you know, and like, don't get me wrong. I grew up from a region where I will absolutely say that some people are just like dumb fucking hicks. Right. But there are also people who like didn't get the right educational format, right? Their teachers were more concerned about teaching to the test than causing a love for learning. And mm -hmm. so between that and being raised on Fox news, they were led to believe that like learning is bad, uh, but it's not really their fault, you know? And, and one of my big, inspirations is uh nick offerman uh nick offerman is a fantastic example of positive masculinity as opposed to toxic masculinity mm -hmm. I got and an he can appeal right there <laughs> nice yeah he can he can appeal to the interests of men without appealing to like the toxicity of mm -hmm. of what masculinity can uh, represent, you know, he can, he can make a canoe from wood, but he doesn't do it while telling gay jokes. Right. And we need more men like that. And if we have more men creating media like that, that appeals to folks who don't live in ivory towers, then we probably won't have to worry as much about those men getting into like 
sex pest controversies. And I think that might be the place to start. Well, I like to woodwork and I don't like doing racist and homophobic jokes. <laughs> Solid. I dig it. <laughs> and I unfortunately have just been so busy that I haven't seen any of this feedback until like right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. just digging the dialogue here. So I, I really want to thank you, Andrew. Um, I'm going to get back to your, your subsequent comments uh, this week. And it's, it's definitely a continuing conversation that we need to have. Mm-hmm. So, and I yeah, think it's, I, there's it's a subject that we've been talking about behind the scenes mm-hmm. too, in, in different ways mm-hmm. of, of future content. Yeah. Well, and it's tough because he's, he's right. Like, like the closing sentence that he, or the closing two sentences that he has that if we care more about winning, then we can simply abandon our principles and prop up people primarily based on how broad their appeal is. If we will not pay that price, we cannot have this. And that's, that's, that's the conundrum we find ourselves in is that we can try to keep otherwise toxic personalities and opinions in our fold. If it brings along a a larger audience who that we can hopefully disabuse of their more toxic beliefs and opinions that are, that are propped up by these personalities that have, that have dragged them along into our fold, or we can stand on principle and say, no, you shall not pass because mm-hmm. you're kind of a monster and we don't want you as, as, as part of our in-group. Yeah. Um, we and tend to value our principles more. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and, and Which isn't so bad. over on the, over on the serious inquiries only podcast um, and, and to, you know, to a different degree, the opening arguments podcast, Thomas Smith has said a few times now that we might need to accept that America is not as far left as we want to believe it is, mm-hmm. right? Like he's looked at failed campaigns uh, or, or failed ballot initiatives and that kind of thing and, and has come to the conclusion that like maybe the vast majority of Americans are not comfortable yet with going as far left as what progressives want to go. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to wrestle with like, what do we do with that, right? Because on the one hand, that means that we have persuasive work to do to get people to be more progressive, but it also does have an impact on how do we appeal to people who are in like the mythical middle to try and bring them further to the left. And I don't think that that's by saying you're wrong for believing what you currently believe, even if they are. And, and honestly, I'd love to have a conversation with him about that sometime, but I'm not even sure how to go about broaching that at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that we need to do some soul searching. Um, I really do. Yeah. I just, I, th- I think like for me personally, I have a really hard time abandoning my, my ethics and moral principles just in hopes of dragging more people along with me. Like mm-hmm. I, it, in a lot of the arguments I have online, it, it, it comes out that, you know, well, I believe this and here's why. And and you're saying that that is bad, Dan. And I usually respond with something along the line of, well, yeah, I do think it's bad and wrong. And a large part of that and, and why I'm taking you to task on this is because I hold my friends to a much higher bar of, of, of principles and ethics than I do just some random stranger off the street because 
that's why we're friends. Like we're, we're friends because I value your opinions and I can see that you're a person of high, of high morals and ethics. That's, that's why Mm -hmm. we are friends period. Like it's not that I'm friends with you because I think you have lower moral standards and lower ethics than I do. It's that because we are friends, I want to hold you up to these higher standards that I've set that, that other random people who I don't include in the daily run of the mill aspects of my life and the finer details of who I am as a person, they're not included because they don't meet those higher standards. And if you don't, if you, if you fail to meet those or you don't want, or you no longer want to meet them, then fine. We don't have to be close friends. That's, that's fine. You can go your own way and I'll go mine, but just know that if you're going to come on to my timeline and spouting a bunch of fucking nonsense or hateful, bigoted bullshit or ignorant bullshit, I'm going to call you to account for it. And if you can't support why you're being this way, then fuck off. And I hope you're happy being an asshole somewhere else. <laughs> don't disagree. Yeah. I don't know. And, and I really hope, listener, that you don't think that I'm like trying to abandon progressivism because it's very much not what I'm trying to do. Um, I My undergraduate is in mass communication, right? And it's it's possible to convince people one-on-one by having lots of extended conversations with them, but we are absolutely losing the game right now in terms of our mass media, Mm -hmm. right? And that's because the right has a very limited subset of policy positions that they argue for, and they just hammer those hard using reactionaryism, right? Mm -hmm. And that's, that's, that's a hard card to counter, you know? Um, Well, and 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 all of their, all of their political positions such that they have them in the first place. You know, the, the Republican party officially has no real platform other than we really like Donald Trump. Uh, and, and January 6th is legitimate political discourse. (laughs) Fuck them. Yeah. So it's, it's really difficult because they don't really have any political positions other than owning the libs and we like Donald Trump. And so they get to spend the rest of their time gleefully shitting on everything else that other people are trying to build. Mm-hmm. And also, like Thomas Smith says, right, um, the right gets social credit for bashing the right and the left gets social credit for bashing the left. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I get so pissed off at certain parts of other people on the left because it's so much easier for them to criticize their own side than the right for some reason. Yeah. Like I aim, don't get that. Yeah. Aim, aim your fire outside the tent. Yeah. 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 We can, we can engage in the circular firing squad after we have won. Yeah. And that, and I don't know, like uh, I, I, I understand that point and I, I agree with it to a large extent, but at the same time, like how do we draw those lines of distinction between you're not really part of our camp anymore. You, the, the things yeah. that you're espousing and saying and doing aren't really, they don't really align with the ideals that mm-hmm. we're purporting to believe in and, and, and promoting as these are our values. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, those aren't always easy questions. Like there was a debate recently over, <sighs> okay. This should be in our Patreon portion of the show, <laughs> honestly. Um, but I can't not talk about this, right? Okay. Um, recently, Whoopi Goldberg made a comment that the Holocaust wasn't about race. Mm. Um, 
And that is total bullshit. Mikey Weinstein, uh, Weinstein, fuck, I can never get that right. <laughs> um, you know, sent me an op-ed that he did for the Daily Coast, which was, um, you know, please be careful before you tell a Jewish person something is not anti-Semitic, mm-hmm. right? And and the controversy over Whoopi Goldberg making this statement that the Holocaust wasn't about race led me back to thinking about, of all things, ironically, an interview I listened to of an author, Barry Weiss, who with with Sam Harris on his show, uh, she wrote a book called How to Fight Anti-Semitism. And in that book, she identifies three main lines of anti-Semitism that occur in the U.S. One of them is right-wing, one of them is left-wing, and one of them is Islamic, right? And mm-hmm. and she describes that the right-wing one is the easiest to call out, right? And it's, it's just like the Nazi anti-Semitism that you typically think of, right? Mm-hmm. As well as, to a lesser degree, a sort of paternalistic anti-Semitism that looks to Israel as being like the state that needs to fall for Jesus to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then the next easiest anti-Semitism to identify is Islamic anti-Semitism. And they've been fighting for 2000 years, right? Like that's, mm. that's also a fairly easy one to say like, yeah, um, even though some Muslims are genetically Semitic people, right? Like they are opposed to Judaism, typically on a religious basis, but also on a racist basis. Where it gets a little bit more mixed is left wing anti-Semitism, and it comes from two camps. The first is, is that um, they perceive the conflict between Islam and Judaism as being like more religiously charged than it is ethnically charged, and for fear of being associated with the right, they prefer to support the Islamic side of the debate because of how many people bash Islam on the right. And then the other side of it is this perception of Jewish individuals not being people of color, but in fact being white and even having some privilege beyond whites because of like functionally racist stereotypes about intergenerational wealth. Mm-hmm. Right. But, but the, the end thing that I'm getting at here is that there is a huge reticence of people on the left to criticize um, Islamic and black American folks who issue anti-Semitic views largely because of like the importance of Islam in black liberation movements. And I think it's something that we need to clean our own house on. And it's been very frustrating for me to see, um, you know, Jewish folks thrown under the bus recently by left-wing individuals. But like, you know, does that mean that they're no longer being tolerant and that they don't fit within the big tent ideology of like being on the left? That's a hard question because mm-hmm. they're functionally picking between two different ethnicities because we're the opposition party to what's functionally a white nationalist party on the right. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not an easy question to answer. And that's really frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. These are all such big things. Like like you mentioned earlier, Taylor, this has been kind of an episode of, we should do an episode on this other thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is like a filler episode in an anime. Like, oh, yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, yeah, in the series, like if, if you're watching yeah. a television show and then it has a, a, a series, you know, of, of per season, like this is mm-hmm. the, this is the, 
we're building towards something else kind yep, of episode. Yep. This is the age of Ultron of our show. We're like, <laughs> eh, does anything really happen in this? No, but it's leading towards some, you know, the phase three stuff. This is also what happens when we spend a week away from each other. Uh huh. Yeah. This is very true. Yeah. yeah. We need we need more time to just kind of shoot the shit and and realign. Yeah. Uh, but we yeah. have run way over time for this episode. Uh, I'm just Bonus. gonna. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna release this all as as one thing. We won't have a separate Patreon portion this week uh, because the editing is a is is a very time consuming thing, and I don't have a whole lot of time to spare. And I think it would be good for everybody to hear all of this content in its entirety. So uh, I want to thank uh, JM Bell and JC Carter for allowing me on their show last week to to giggle along and complain about a bunch of bullshit coming from right-wing nut jobs. Uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I, I like visiting with those guys. Uh, their show's a lot of fun. I hope you all in the listening audience enjoyed the crossover post. That was, that was fun. Uh, we should probably think about having them on our show sometime yeah. in the near future. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, but we have come to the end of the show. Before we go, I want to make sure that we thank our Patreon supporters because they help keep the show going. That would be two skeptical chaps. A noble spirit embiggens the smallest man, a perfectly cromulent statement. Alan Firth. All hail Peanut Buttra. Darwin is coming. Which, by the way, sorry, I have to interject here, and I know that we've already <laughs> gone long, but um, Darwin is coming also recently became a Patreon on the Cogdis podcast. And it was really funny for me to hear that as they were reading off their patrons too. <laughs> so thank you so much. Darwin is coming. <laughs> Doug Willoughby. Hunter Grin. Is it just me or are these patrons amazing? It's not just you. They're all amazing. Yes. John McCullough. Ollie Olson. Sinead Duffy. Steve Kuno. Stephen Andrus. Ted Sullen. Tiffany Hudson. Vanessa. Corey Ebert. Don't be a Richard. Freethinker215. Good news, everyone. Futurama's coming back for another season. Woohoo! Is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. That is good news. 20 episodes. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love that show. Yeah. Also, thank you, Jeff, Jeff Peterson. Jeremy Goodson. Jonathan. Marvin. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Marvin Dracone. I'm Dracon. 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 Yeah. Sorry, we got a voicemail from you. <laughs> I know. Now I'm it fucking we like just Marvin Dracon. So I guess the V and the B are next to each other on the keyboard. And we have now figured it out. We're so sorry. <laughs> Matthew Sanders. Megan Mitchell. Not a fucking gymnast. Updog programmer. Utah Outcasts. Wesley Aaron. Zeus 9SO. Janet Uter. Purple Dragon. Sarah Segovia. Savid Acuna. Socialized Healthcare Saved My Life. Tim Jacobson. Trisha Weir. James. And Professor Frank and Mr. Burns want you to please support the Satanic Temple and the Church of Satan. And I agree with the first Satanic <laughs> Association. I'm not a huge fan of the Church of Satan. They're, they're, they're kind of demonic LARPers. <laughs> Two votes. <laughs> 
<laughs> I really, I'm a big fan of the Satan, the Satanic Temple, much less so the Church of Satan. They're they're kind of uh, they're 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 Satanic exclusionists. They're they're kind of like turfs for the Satanic community. Uh, they're they're they they are sometimes turfs in general. I I would yeah. strongly recommend. Um, and, and I promote the show less and less as it goes on. Um, but behind the bastards did a pretty good episode on the founder of the satanic or sorry, the church of Satan. And I think that's worth a listen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I know they've gone through some leadership changes and change in views and all of that. Like it's been a while since I've checked in on the church of Satan, but the, and that's because the last and lasting impressions that I have of them is that. I am not a huge fan, but I do very much enjoy the work of the, of the satanic temple. We've had, uh, Doug on as a guest uh, a few different we've times. Had, we've had Shirley's fly the few times we've had Stu DeHaan yep. and Michelle short. Well, we're, yep. we're, we're, we're big fans of the satanic temple yeah. for sure. And if we're wrong, let us know. Um, yeah. but that's, that's based on what we know up to this point. You know, yeah. if they've changed considerably, like I'm, I'm open to that. You know, we need to make all the allies we can, but yeah. And yeah. there, uh, recently has been the, uh, TST has had their little convention. They're the Satan con. Oh yeah. Yeah. my God. Yeah. The, the article I read on that was hilarious because they described, um, the, the people running the hotel, the convention was at said that the people attending the convention were fantastic and polite and courteous, but that they had to call the police on the protesters outside because some Protestants showed up and started getting in fights with the Catholics. (laughs) (laughs) You're doing the wrong Satan spell. (laughs) Oh, that's delightful. (laughs) That's not how you cast out a demon. Oh, well, thank you so much for listening. I, I appreciate it very much. It was nice uh, to chat with you guys after after yes. not seeing you for a couple of weeks. Uh, I've missed you yeah, all. I missed you. <laughs> Glad to see that you're still alive and doing well. And uh, I'm gonna go check in on work and see if there's some other bullshit I need to deal with. And then I'm gonna have dinner and hang out with with the lovely Tracy Beast, the Snar Beast. Oh, yeah. It's time for Sarah puppies and whiskey. I'm gonna go to a bar and have a steak sandwich. Yeah. And hey, motherfuckers, don't forget to vote. Yeah, please vote. Please register to vote. Consider running for something um, and donate to candidates who actually stand a chance to win. Don't just vote for the shiny object. Or sorry, don't just give money to the shiny object. If you're down and confused and you don't remember who you're talking to, Slip away Cause your baby Is so far away Well there's a road In a distant land And an eagle flies With the dove And if you can't be With the one you love Honey, love the one you're with 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 Don't be angry Don't be sad But don't sit crying Over good times ahead There's a girl Right next to you And she's just waiting For something to do And there's a rose In the pristine land 
Oh, I've needed that sneeze for like three hours. All right, so. You are so good looking.